Hello, everyone. I'm Judy. Welcome to today's podcast. We are Amplifier, and also the Literature Association. Today we welcome Ben again. Hello, I'm back again. Yes, <laughs> I'm here to bore your socks off with many more anecdotes and endlessly entertaining discussions about the origins and history of intelligent dance music <laughs> and Aphex Twin, if yeah. you so wish. So the song was really, really long. <laughs> Quite、yeah. long, right? How long was that? <laughs> well, that's about seven minutes long. Seven. I was. I feel like I was watching a movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is one of the things about. Again, this is continuing our discussion from last week. So we talked about. Dance music in the UK and、yeah. how it kind of merged from and emerged from techno and became a kind of ambient sound. Do you、yeah. remember the the song "Blue Room" by the Orb, which was very much aimed at that chill out,、mm-hmm. relaxed scene when people were coming down from their MDMA or ecstasy party drugs and they go into what's called the chill out room and they have, listen have to the、cigarette? relaxed. Possibly yes, <laughs> just just one or two cigarettes and maybe、uh-huh. some coffee. Yeah. Okay.、Um, yeah. So that that led to the expansion of songs to be particularly long in length because、mm-hmm. certain types of drugs, particularly LSD,、um, affect your perception of time. Yeah. So I, I mentioned last week that that song by the Orb, the Blue Room, was the longest single. Charting single、mm-hmm. in British chart history,、mm-hmm. like forty forty five minutes long for、wow. a song,、yeah. one song, and so seven minutes in that context is quite short. But I think what I'm trying to do here is to show you the context of of IDM and the development of Aphex Twin、mm-hmm. um, at that period because he was being influenced by house music from the 1980s、yeah. and. Um, the origins of, of acid house,、um, but also some of the earlier experiments with synth synthesizers, but particularly at that period,、um, ambient music. And you hear that that song is called "On" and is from 1993. But you can see that it's a, a kind of merging. the The orb sound is very much a, sort of has the relaxed synthesizer sound.、Mm-hmm. But the beats are very much more relaxed and more more hip hop, whereas with Aphex Twin, it's a lot lot harsher sound with the、mm-hmm. with the beats. So there's this real contrast going on. Two、yeah. things are sort of pulling at each other. A sort of hard and soft. Yeah, sort of be- pretty. Yeah, exactly. A pretty melody, but a but harsh harsh beats. But that part reminds me of. It made me feel like a bit Japanese style. I don't know why. Yeah. The kind of. Well, well, this, yeah, I think you're right because this、um, this EP came after his first album,、um, and there were a couple of EPs before that, and one of his sort of standout songs from that period was a an semi ambient track called、um, Analog Bubble Bath.、Mm-hmm. So this this <laughs> idea of kind of water droplets runs、yeah. through it. If you heard, there was a sample、mm-hmm. on that. On the track we just listened to of of water,、mm-hmm. and so I think that there's very much that connection between、uh, sort of water droplets、um, that 
that comes in part from certain meditative um, Japanese music forms. Yeah, in fact, really the, cool. yeah, the, the, there's quite a long history of ambient. Uh, ambient textures and ambient music in in Japan that goes yeah, all the way back to the 1960s uh, and 70s with um, avant-garde composers like um, uh, oh, what's his name Toru Takamitsu who did the soundtrack for the <laughs> wow. for the the movie Kwaidan which Kwaidan. is a a scary ghost horror uh-huh. movie from the 1970s, which is, I, I very much recommend uh, everyone get a chance to watch. Yeah. Or maybe we'll put it on next Halloween as a uh, Halloween movie. Great. And also remind me of Japanese animation song. I don't know, because... Um, just what I say, like... The kind of a very... A bit futuristic feeling. Oh, yeah. So you... <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about. Things like Akira and Ghost in the Shell certainly have have like songs that aim to be slightly futuristic. Mm-hmm. Um, the Akira soundtrack was done by an, an avant-garde Japanese group whose name escapes me right now, but it's very sort of startling <laughs> in its its use of voices and very futuristic sounding. And certainly, Aphex Twin sounds very futuristic sounding. Um, yeah, but. Um, I think it's time to play something else. I mentioned yeah. house music. House music, yeah. Last week you also mentioned house music. Yeah. About people having party at home and the songs that they play. Well, it's, it's a <laughs> bit more than that. It's a bit more than that. I mean, that, that it's it's um, look like that's what it is. <laughs> house music. Well, yeah, it sounds it sounds a bit like that. But yeah. it's it started off in Chicago. Really, there were. Um, and it's really the origin of um, the the concept of moving from the traditional idea of a DJ or disc jockey mm-hmm. as somebody who, a guy who turns up to a party and plays records, yeah. to somebody who turns up and does something with records. And Frankie Knuckles was one of the first people to do that, and he was doing it in Chicago. In fact, it was in um, clubs that were initially mostly for um, for gay black men. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of his experimentation, um, what he would do, he'd bring a drum machine with him and he'd play these sort of synthesizer records and disco records from mm-hmm. the 70s uh, with, a, with an electronic drum beat mm-hmm. um, and create something totally new and totally different. So this changed the idea and the concept of going somewhere and having somebody play records, hit songs that you know, to to the idea of a DJ as somebody more like an original musician, somebody who's composing with records and with beats mm-hmm. in a different kind of context, creating something something new, which is also you know. Life. And live. live, yeah, spontaneous as well. So there, there's an element of um, of improvisation, mm. but at the same time, there is there's, there's an art form to it. I mean, you have things like this emerging in the hip hop scene mm-hmm. uh, in the early early eighties as well, with groups like um, you know Grandmaster Flash, where you have DJs experimenting with scratching records yeah, yeah, and yeah. also using using beats as well. So these two things were sort of happening concurrently. Mm-hmm. But with a lot of crossovers and a lot of similarities. 
Sorry, can I ask again? You said before DJ is someone who went to your home. No, 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 no. Well, DJ is someone who plays records on the radio or would go to clubs and just play records. Yeah. Okay, so you would go and and listen to somebody playing records in in sequence, right? So you play one record and another record and another record. But they don't create. But no no creativity. They just select which songs for for people to listen to. Uh And that's really what the disco movement was about in the in the 70s it was just the beginning of the 80s that people again like frankie knuckles started to change mm-hmm. that and and also would use sort of samples of people singing and, and and other things as well over the top this is where you get this this idea of house music so i think i should play you a track so this is probably frankie knuckles most famous track is is your love let me line it up okay Frankie Knuckles. Frankie Knuckles, your love. Your love.
Okay, so the song we listen, I feel it's more like compared to other songs, you know, you're, you introduce us. I feel this song is more mainstream, like the song that we can hear on, you know, like street, you know, like yeah. some clothes shop. Yeah, when you're hanging around like Yichong Street in Taichung, you can hear this song. Totally. Well, this, that is exactly where that kind of music comes from that kind of music comes from uh, and was developed after house music began mm-hmm. to be developed uh-huh. and this is one of the, the those earliest examples and you can you can start to hear some of the elements that are there in the the Aphex twin song mm-hmm. um, the sort of electronic beats and the synthesizer line the slightly ambient synthesizer mm-hmm. and the arpeggio mm-hmm. of the of the other synthesizer the two synthesizers working together um, but yes the the vocals by uh, Jamie Principal oh sorry Adrian Jet um, are particularly kind of like mainstream and um, you know up, deliberately uplifting and quite pop um, mm. So yeah, I mean that that was the thing. That was one of the reasons why house music became so kind of popular and became mainstream. Well, one one of the reasons. Yeah. Uh, and we will talk about. I mean, when when we are listening to the music, you talk about you mentioned punk rock. Do you want to tell our audience more about it? About we, the the time. Well, the yeah. Te- the, there are so many crossovers between these different genres of music and and that's what I love about this and that's why I love the way that it's opened up my taste of music you know because I'm I'm at heart a bit of a punk and I'm I'm a fan of punk music (laughs) and and harsh abrasive loud noisy music and so my love of electronic music seems a bit strange in that context Mm -hmm. but yet there are clear connections we I, I think I mentioned last week of course Devo were a not not really a punk band, but they had elements of punk and, and new wave and used synthesizers in a slightly different way and certainly in a in a rock context. Mm-hmm. Um Neil Young was a was a really yeah. big fan of fan of theirs at one point. But um in terms of the UK music scene, um you have well I mentioned Joy Division, and uh, Ian Curtis, the singer, last week was was really into Kraftwerk, and Kraftwerk were a big influence on a few punk bands, um, including uh, Big Black, uh, who are an American punk band, for example. But um, yeah, so what am I trying to say? <laughs> what am I trying to say? Well, I'm trying to say that the that the the ground was set up really by. Um, by a guy called Gary Newman, who, um, it's okay, who, sorry, we're having a problem with the sound here. A guy called Gary Newman, who was a UK sort of punk musician, and he went into a studio with the intent in 1979 with the intention of recording a punk album. And in the studio, there was a, a Moog synthesizer just lying around. Mm-hmm. And he saw it and thought, oh, hmm. Okay, and he started experimenting with this and playing around with it in different ways. Um, and so his his intended punk rock album became transferred into a uh, an album called Replicas. 
And he manages to sort of merge two really important elements that I think are still remain w- within intelligent dance music. And that is um, this sort of punk rock aesthetic, but also a certain punk rock style and aesthetic um, mixed with a science fiction wow, science aesthetic fiction. as well. So I mean, this comes from a 2014 interview with Gary Newman about the song we're going to play in a second, which is yeah. Our Friends Electric, which was the, the really... I mean, you, you can't really sort of understate how big this song was. It was kind of top of the charts mm. for many, many weeks. Also, I look up his photos. He's really cool. He has the, he has the eye... Line? How did you call it? Yeah, that? he wears eyeliner. Really? Uh, he, yeah, he. He, so cool. he was quite influenced, I think, by the goth goth movement, goth which movement. which came out of punk. People like Susie and the Banshees, and then you have um, bands like The Cure coming out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was the one who became really famous and really successful yeah. out of this, despite being actually quite quite underground, quite um, quite experimental in his music. And I have a question. Like, do you think that when when people, I mean, when you know, band or singer got popular and their song become not that good, do you think it's a myth, or how do you think? <laughs> well, it's interesting with Gary Newman because he just he he never really changed. He never sold um, out. And actually, I mean, he John Peel, who was quite a sort of underground DJ in the UK, yeah. would always play experimental and underground. Musicians continued to play Gary Newman despite Gary Newman becoming very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so his music is still good, even he's popular. Yeah, yeah, and his music has has an edge to it, um, which is you know quite strange because he's quite cheesy in many ways. Um, so there <laughs> in, is an in, overlapping area. Yeah, but I mean, it's good but cheesy. Like people can understand him. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, but but he's an interesting guy. I mean, you listen to this from from an interview in 2014. He says, "All my early songs were about being alone or misunderstood. As a teenager, I'd been sent to a child psychiatrist and put on medication. I had Aspergers and saw the world differently. I immersed myself in sci-fi writers: Philip K. Dick, mm. J.G. Ballard." The lyrics came from short stories I'd written about what London would be like in 30 years. These machines, or friends, come to the door. They supply services of various kinds, but your neighbours never know what they really are since they look human. The one in the song is a prostitute, hence the inverted commas. It was released in May 1979 and sold a million copies. I had a number one single with a song about a robot prostitute and no one knew. Wow, isn't it literature? (laughs) Well, it's very literate. It's very literate. And Philip K. Dick and J.G. Butler, I know you taught them in your class, right? Yeah, well... They're really interesting. I really like Philip K. Dick. Yeah, yeah. Well, me too. I'm teaching Ubik in a few weeks, but certainly it was a very big influence on uh, on Gary Newman. Mm. I think we should play our friends Electric now.
it that you? Okay, so the song we just listened. Then can you tell us more about the background? Yeah, that was the twelve-inch version of Blue Monday by New Order. So we talked a bit. First of all, we listened to uh, Friends Electric by Gary Newman from nineteen seventy-nine, which marked punk's first real、uh, sort of. Money-making excursion into electronic music and use of synthesizers, but、uh, that's Blue Monday, which was released in、uh, 1983 on Factory Records in the UK, and it really kind of marks in the UK certainly the the end of punk or post-punk music,、mm-hmm. and really the start of sort of. Electronica and house music's mass popularity and acceptance into both the mainstream but also the underground spheres and experimental spheres. So they were, you know, New Order came from their roots were in the punk band Joy Division.、Um, they wanted the, the, you know, the clue is in their name, New Order. They wanted to find、create、a new, new yeah, create a new direction certainly, and this really is. Sort of the inspiration of house music and craft work and and various other things, the use of drum machines and and other electronic equipment in this song that really created something that was、uh, accepted in the mainstream. In fact, the there's a, a funny couple of stories about it. It was、uh, released as a 12-inch single originally, and the record label didn't really expect to sell many copies.、Mm-hmm. So, as a pr- promotional gimmick, they made a very expensive cover that was in the shape of a, a like a floppy disk、um, that cost a lot of money to make. And actually, they lost the, the record company lost money on、What? every single <laughs> copy that they sold. So bad. <laughs> which would which wouldn't have been a problem because they weren't expecting it to sell that well.、Yeah. But it now the twelve inch single of Blue Monday remains the biggest selling twelve、wow. inch single of all time. So they did make that many copies. Well, I mean, it's it's maybe not fair to say that like they were all that particular edition. There were、oh. many reissues that they made in a slightly cheaper cheaper imagine, design. But I imagine at that time it's like oh stop. Please. Yeah. Well, there were. It certainly caused some problems in the in the boardroom、oh. with with that that record label. It's a cute story. Yeah. There's a really good movie actually about the the origins and the the de- eventual demise of that record label、um, called Twenty Four Hour Party People by by Michael Winterbottom. That's a really funny funny movie worth worth seeing.、Um, yeah. So so that kind of. Leads us through to the mid '80s.、Um, Aphex Twin intelligent dance music has not occurred yet, but we are starting to see house music enter the mainstream、um, and get into the charts. But there was a, an underground movement that caused a bit of a stir in the UK, certainly at the time, and that was the acid house scene. Acid. Well, before MDMA and, and And the drug ecstasy entered the mainstream of drug use in、uh, in the UK and and the US.、Um, LSD was the drug of choice for partygoers, and so you have the origins of house music merging and being sort of altered and changed into something 
that suited the use of um, LSD. Now, LSD use in relation to music was nothing new. Pink Floyd, mm. you know, ultra-famous, massive-selling artist, rock band, yeah. with the big, one of the biggest-selling albums of all time in the dark side of the moon. Their happenings in the, in the, the, mid, the mid to late 60s involved lots of it quite extensive LSD use. In yeah. fact, their original singer, Sid Barrett, who was a genius... Um, was destroyed by LSD use. Aww. So, you know, LSD has... There were certainly some casualties of LSD, but that's where the origins and the connections between LSD and, and music lie, um, certainly in that sort of 60s psychedelic music scene. But it became part of the electronic music scene in the 1980s with, with Acid House, and it had a certain style to it, which certainly appealed to artists and, and artists like um, like Aphex Twin, for example. So I think it's probably worth hearing one of the standout sure. yeah. tunes from that period. Let's have uh, Flow Coma by 808 State. <laughs> Thank you. 
So yeah, that's uh, 1991's uh, Future Sound of London single uh, Papua New Guinea. And before that, we had uh, Flow Coma from 1989 by 808 State. So you can see maybe some of the differences between Acid House and the sort of squelchy, sparse sound of of Acid House. Um, Why is it squelchy? Uh, just the, the choice of the samples and the way that the sounds are, are merged together have this have this tendency to kind of um, create a dissonance that is very kind of clear. So it, it, it's hard to really like describe what I mean by <laughs> squelchy, but it's it's to do with how um, the modulation of the of the sounds is is produced. Um, and as I say, sparse because it's just kind of drum machine and basic synthesizers, and they keep the sounds very kind of bassy, and the texture is very very minimal. Um, to again emphasise the bass and to emphasise the kind of the, the hits in the in the track for the the acid house clubs where things are, need to be very loud and bassy and bass driven. Um, now. I've contrasted that with the the Papua New Guinea song from 1991, which shows you that the development, I think, of of dance music in that early 1990s period, um, which, although it contains a lot of the elements from that house house music song by Frankie Knuckles at the beginning, um, you can see it started to develop. It uses a whole range of different samples from different sources, including avant-garde, avant-garde um, samples from um, a, dead, a band called Dead Can Dance running through it which creates this um, emotional drive running through and there's just a lot more complexity and alternating drum beats and drum patterns running through um, which sort of you can see then develops into the sound of the later 1990s electronic musicians uh, I think I, feel I don't the, know. How did you how did you find them? I feel the last song is like the com combination of the songs we listened to earlier, but it's more. I feel it has more layers, has more depths. Like you try to create a a space that let you walk in and like like in a forest. Yeah, well, it, again, it it has elements of the the ambient music yeah. that we had last week from the Orb that has a lot of space within it. Um, so yeah, despite there being complexities and despite it being a kind of driving song that you can dance to, it just sort of breaks it down and there's different mm-hmm. elements going on. It goes up and down. It's not just the same yeah. re- repetitive beat yeah, going, running yeah. all the way through. Like you walk into the forest and you hear the bird singing and you hear the raindrop on the leaf. Yeah. It's, I think it's more poetic. It's poetic way, and yeah. symphonic. It's like, like a little mini symphony in yeah, itself. Yeah. And that's it's what you... Really s- cool. Well, that's what I think you start to get with with IDM intelligent yeah, dance I mean, music from from this point onwards. To be honest, I didn't really like dance music because for me it's just boom 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 or don't start don't start. You know, mm. it's, I felt for me um, before I felt it's just very loud and just people get high. But these two weeks, I feel 
um, I can I can hear more detail,、mm. and I can feel its aesthetics more. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I think I think there is more to it than just the、um, as I say the stuff that you get in chart in the charts <laughs> or the stuff you maybe hear in in. In in house, you know, in in clothes shops and、uh-huh. stuff, yeah, yeah. things that are just fairly mindless. When you、yeah. start to look at where it where it comes from and its origins,、um, you, you start to realise that there's some there's some interesting、uh, elements to it and more complexity to it. I mean, it's very easy to churn out house music and, and dance music and techno music tracks that have no kind of thought behind them, but when you start getting to this. This period, and you start to see the emergence of these songs. You get some really strange、um, and really fascinating elements,、um, and the intelligence clearly goes up. So I'm going to finish today with just a couple of songs to round out、uh, where IDM ended up, and we had oh, we ended up. That's so sad. <laughs> well, no, I mean it's still going. I mean we're、okay. very lucky that Aphex Twin is actually still making and releasing. Records. Yeah, he had many really, years、like、out, but he he's still going. Yeah.、Um, he won the Grammy Award a couple a couple few years、oh, ago for his last last、totally. major album.、Mm. Um, and Warp Records continues to release amazing、um, electronic artists and, and musicians of different styles, including I mentioned Flying Lotus, I think last week as well. So there's some there's some good stuff coming out. Um, so I'm going to play the first track is going to be Window Liquor、uh, from 1991, which is kind of a follow-up to his previous single, which was a, a what he called a death metal experiment called <laughs> Come to Daddy, which is quite controversial. Come to Daddy. Yeah. Window Liquor. Yeah. <laughs> I like that name. Well, I recommend. Really weird. I recommend you check out the video because、oh, it's quite、okay. disturbing, and、okay. the front cover of the record disturbing yeah, in、I、itself. Yeah, I saw it. Now it's really, really disturbing. It, yeah, it continues I, the the aesthetic of. I of, urge everyone to to look yeah, on internet. <laughs> yeah, the the artist,、um, you know, Aphex Twin, Richard D. James, he has this this、um, this joke of putting his face on lots of different. You know, in, producing his face and having his face on his albums in different ways and in different contexts and different forms. And for this particular single, he's got his face very、um, cleverly and very effectively <laughs> morphed onto the body of a、um, big bikini, bikini, <laughs> yeah, bikini-clad model,、um, and it's it's quite unsettling in its in its effect. Uh, oh. So yeah, so he worked at this time actually with、um, a, a director called Chris Cunningham,、yeah. who was actually involved in the early stages of of Stanley Kubrick's、oh. unreleased final movie AI. Wow! We screened it maybe last yeah, year yeah. or the year before in、That's、the Literature Association. Yeah, yeah, AI. So he was involved in in working on the robotics for that movie.、Um, didn't actually get used, but he then became involved with. Creating music videos and the music videos he he did for for Aphex Twin are, are fantastic and I recommend you check them out. But he also did videos for Bjork and Orteca and several other other、um, electronic musicians and and I recommend you check them out、uh, along with his own small short film called、uh, Rubber Johnny. So I'm going to play you that song from 1999, which is、uh, known as. Regarded as one of the top electronic songs of the the nineteen nineties, 
Um, and then I'm going to follow that with a song by the group that I mentioned called Orteca, who I feel have taken electronic music almost as far as it would go in terms of its avant-garde experimentation. Um, and I know that they used software called uh, Super Collider and MXP um, to, to varying extents. Um, and they create some fascinating sounds and, and really sort of deconstruct electronic music, if, if you can imagine that. You know, you said about how mainstream it, it, it sounds. Well, they really do deconstruct the, the, the core of what dance music was and break it all up into its disparate parts and create something very avant-garde and very experimental and, and strange. So that's it, I think, for this week. Um, we're not going to talk about movies this time. We'll talk about movies maybe next time yeah, or maybe. do a mini mini podcast or something. Yeah. Um, because this is this is just under, you know, put, <laughs> drawing a line under electronic music for this time. And if we're going to yeah. do music again, we'll talk about something totally different. <laughs> okay. Looking forward to it. So let's go with window liquor.